Welcome to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and today's episode is sponsored by PCS Cleaning. If you're looking for a cleaning service that fits your needs, then PCS Cleaning is just for you. They offer residential and commercial cleaning services. They are affordable, and they know how to get the job done. So if you want someone who will go above and beyond that will get the job done, give them a call at 423-521-2781. They are also located on 800 Market Street here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Suite 207. I almost wanted to say South Carolina because that's where we're from. But thank you, Ms. Sharon Green and everybody at PCS Cleaning for sponsoring this episode of the Cross the Line Podcast. And this is today is day number two. We're here in Chattanooga, Tennessee for the Cross the Line Podcast uh, self-investment tour. And we have another special guest with us today, another entrepreneur. She's the founder of Culture Books, Ms. Erica Denise. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for taking the time to sit with us and not only that but help us from getting our car towed because of the parking <laughs> outside so we yes. do we Chattanooga do. parking is very um iffy yeah it's, it's a nice area downtown just you know of course with this with everything going on you just have always have to find somewhere to park and pay at the same time yeah, so exactly. we were about to just leave our car there and, and probably when we went back out they would have been gone but thank you for saving us on that also <laughs> You're welcome. but for everybody that's tuning in course, this is Culture Books. Tell us exactly what is, for people that don't know, what is Culture Books? Culture Books is a nonprofit that is um, literacy passionate. We want to bridge the gaps between literacy and culture and connect the two by building home libraries. We strive to give away books to kids that, you know, those books that look like them, that talk about different cultures, that um, connect with those cultures and give them something else to read about than what they have at school. Mm-hmm. Um, we also strive to help build that literacy confidence. Um, a lot of the disconnect with learning in school comes with reading. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are lots of gaps in the reading once you get to a certain age. Um, it's far as the school age elementary so we strive to kind of kind of build that and of course you know everything that's happening has kind of slowed us down a little bit but we're very passionate right. about it so so how long have you have you actually been going on with the, uh, the culture books our um nonprofit status happened november 5th of last year okay. so almost a year oh, official. Almost and what made you want to do uh start culture books um, I was a teacher. I've been in the education system for, I think, about 13 years, actually. Mm-hmm. And at my last school, I taught there at, for about nine to 10 years. Um, it was just kind of a a revelation. We're looking and teaching the kids. There was so much gap in um, knowing how to read and um, having that foundation. And the teachers that I work with, they very passionate. They wanted to help the kids and all of that, but a lot of the curriculums that, you know, we would have to use to teach the kids were not geared toward the kids we were teaching specifically. Um, and so as the years went by, the curriculums just got farther and farther away from what the kids could understand. It sucked the fun out of everything. There was no culture. There was no um, rich literature. There was nothing that gave them something to relate to and something to connect to. And so um, I left the teaching profession last year and started um, focusing a little more heavily on culture books and trying to get um, the kids to connect better. So we're, we're working. Right. So leaving, leaving from being a teacher is because of you didn't 
see that it was really benefiting the children Correct. as much. Right. How do how do you uh how much say so if all do they give you as a teacher? Um, do they give you any kind of input into what what you can leeway into what you can incorporate into it? Cause cause you work with these kids every day. Do they allow you to give you any kind of leeway to like teach some things that you think they may be interested in that will help? Not really. A lot of the curriculums have to be research based. And so um, the powers that be usually find the curriculum they want us to use and they give it to us. And if it doesn't show what they want it to show, then they go and research another one and try to find that. But it's not really based upon the teacher's ideas. It's based upon what they think is best. And to me, I think you said the powers that be, they like they give you like a what you need to teach or whatever. But I think sometimes those people probably are so out of touch with what's going on in, in today's society and what's what's learning today because kids can't learn. I think it's impossible for them to teach them the same way we did mm-hmm. 15, 20 years ago. Times have changed, so much has changed. That's why I think it would be it would definitely benefit the kids if you guys had to like a say so. Into into what you're teaching, mm-hmm. so so what are some of the things like how do how do you make it fun for these kids? Because like I said, it's it's different now. Yes, the, now the teachers that I worked with at the time they were very innovative. Like they would try to make up songs right. using the songs that the kids know now. We mm-hmm. would um, try to make games and different things for them to connect to to make it fun. Like we tried to do everything that we could mm-hmm. without upsetting the powers that be right. and. Um, for the most part, the kids would connect to that. They liked that. But we, of course, we can't always do that because there are always people watching. But um, from music to dance to songs to art to mm-hmm. all types of connections, trying to connect those. We actually created a curriculum um, during one of the years I was there. It didn't last long because somebody... Of course, there's always someone that's like, oh, it's not rigorous enough. Right. But mm-hmm. when you write a curriculum, you have to test it, see it. And they grew so much, but we didn't have a say of the change. Right. And so um, just bringing that rich literature back, we would try to do that for the kids. And for the most part, it would work. But then, of course, there's always changes. Right. I think that makes a big difference when you you have to make it fun for the kids. I, yes. What was it was a song that went viral that the teachers in Georgia did. I can't remember. Uh it was just all over the place. Uh, I forgot the name of the song. Um, I it know was, the baby was in it, but it was something like the teachers were. It was that like, old uh, time road song. I'm, I know that the song would make songs from right. that one. They made up the words, like they would change the words, mm-hmm. but the music would be the same. Right. That was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one recently. I can't remember uh, the name of it though. But it was it was very it was great to see how the teacher you know made it fun for the kids and it is engaging. Yes. I, sitting at a desk all day long. Um, even though it's, things are virtual now, it's still, it's still you have to do something to get interact with the kids. I remember for my son, we're doing a virtual train, and one of the things, um, like I, I'm sitting there with them, and even I, I'm bored just sitting there, just hearing the teacher talk and go over lessons. Yeah. But then it was one where we had to had to count to 120, and uh, it was like a DJ. He was watching video YouTube on DJ, where a DJ was just rapping and, and making it fun for him, telling him to stretch and do jumping jacks, and he was engaged in it. Rather than just sitting there and just counting to 120 or moving beans, it was more engaging for the kids. Yeah, and the kids see you having fun. Of course, they start having fun as well because they look up to you. They want to make you happy. They want to connect to their teachers. 
So if they see you enjoying it, of course mm-hmm. they're going to enjoy it, no matter what it is. Right. Even if it's talking about rocks. That was like the most boring lesson yeah, ex- ever. Exactly. But <laughs> if we like set up a song for it or some type of um, engaging movement with it, something with that, and mm-hmm. it helped them connect to it better and help them not just memorize it, but retain right. it. And even with this spelling test that we did last week, um, one of the things we did was because he... He he does his work, but he, you had just have to make it fun for him, or else his mind is just somewhere else. Especially being at home, we want to watch TV or go get a snack or something. So what we did was um, we made it a competition. So we had for a spelling test. He was in one room, I'll be in another room, and try to whoever spells the most words right will win. So of course I'm trying to help him out. Um, I'm spelling words wrong so he can win, but it, it kept him motivated. You know, mm-hmm. it was just something engaging for him. But because if I'm just sitting there telling, okay, it's time to do it. Do the spelling test, and I'm just watching him. Like it's. You could actually make it a little bit more fun. It's still kind of cold. It's getting chilly outside. But one thing that you could do is get like water balloons and some buckets, and like have the three different spellings of the word. Mm-hmm. The one that's wrong, if you choose the one that's right, he gets to to write. That's a good idea. A, a great, a great idea. <laughs> so like maybe that's that's just a fun way to you something know, else. Yes, kids love to smash their parents, oh, yeah. their uncles, all cousins, the... all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so, so going back to you real quick. What, um, growing up, did you always know you wanted to be in this in the education field? Yes, everything I did from um, helping substitute teachers at my school, um, helping the teachers in general, and I wasn't a teacher's pet. I just liked, it was a fascination with like grading papers and seeing what they were doing and all of that. Just, um, it just, it constantly, I was always doing something with the teacher or something dealing with teaching something. Um, and so it just, it kind of made sense when it, it came to choosing what I wanted to uh, learn about and what I wanted to go through in college. Mm-hmm. I, I think you said it earlier before we started the interview, uh, you from Chicago? My family. Family's Some of my Chicago. family's from Chicago. I'm originally from Memphis, though. So. Oh, okay. So yeah, because I was going to ask what made you come come to Chattanooga High um, School. So I was in Nashville at Lipscomb University, and of course they were expensive at the Wazoo. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, and so um, I got sick. Uh, my sister was here, and my mom wanted me to be close to some family, so I okay. came here for school um, and just kind of stayed. Got stuck. What do, What do you think? We'll do pick this apart two different. What do you like the most about the educational system? Is there anything, or do you think it's just like it just needs to be an overhaul? And I, I love the kids. Mm-hmm. I love teaching um, them something new and having them have that aha moment and where they figure it out and tweak it to their understanding. So it's not just me giving you all of my information. It's you taking that information and making it your own. Mm-hmm. Um, I love being able to be creative and helping my kids grow every day and seeing that growth from the first day of school to the last day of school. Like I love seeing that growth pattern. Mm-hmm. Uh, being able to work with kids, um, it is very rewarding. Right. Um, I love every single moment of watching them learn and move and grow on their own, not just with my help. But the, and the part that you don't like about it, would, would that be the power is not, uh, I guess, engaging with the kids? Or what would you say was your least favorite? I, I do not like how they 
change the curriculum so often. It doesn't allow for the kids to be able to um, figure things out for themselves. So Mm -hmm. if you have a curriculum, it's going to take more than a year to figure out if it works for the kids or if you want to tweak it. Um, Don't just shut it out just because, oh, it didn't rear the results you thought it should rear on this one day. There may be more than one day where it does. And it's great. Mm-hmm. Like we are always told as teachers, you know what? Sometimes it doesn't work out. This lesson was horrible, but you go back, you tweak it and you start it again tomorrow. I feel mm-hmm. like as teachers, we live by that, but I don't think the people who choose the curriculums live by that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very frustrating at times. Is it, is it any way to, to somewhat change how, how they go about things as far as, well, I don't know if it's something like as a community, we go to the school board, talk to them, or the teachers get together and, and they go to the school board. Is there any way that, some kind of way that we can change how things are run with the school board? It's difficult, but they do have um, school board meetings and, you know, places where, you know, your voice can be heard. Um, but sometimes, you know, circumstances change. They're not able to do what everybody wants to do at the same time. And I wouldn't want to have like any school board job. I really wouldn't because they have tough decisions to make. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, I think if we were to work together a little bit more, the teachers being um, one of the bigger voices, I think it would help. Do you you see a correlation with the books that you give the children? Like something that they... uh, are more engaged in, like if it's something more relatable to them, as opposed to something that is not, uh, I guess, not related to them. Like, I guess sometimes like, hard put it, I'll put it this way, like as far as like teachers, like sometimes for African-American kids, like if we see a teacher that looks like us, then we kind of, it, sometimes we're like, we're more, we're more understanding, more relatable because mm-hmm. it's somebody that looks like us. Is it, is it kind of the same way as far as like reading books when kids see a picture in a book with a kid that looks like them, do you see like a correlation of more relatability and how they gravitate more towards those books? Oh, definitely. Um, it's hard to relate to a book that's ta- teaching you about something you've never done before mm-hmm. um, or someplace you've never seen. But if you, for kids, once you see like different things, a lot of the kids that I taught a long, a while ago, um, they only knew about Atlanta because their parents, of course, maybe lived in Atlanta or talked about it a lot. Mm-hmm. They didn't know uh, much about New York or much about China or um, any of the other Greece or anything like that because it seems so far out of reach. Right. And so if you bring more books that relate to those cultures and teach them a little bit more about it, help them understand that this is different, but it's nothing that you should shun away or mm-hmm. forget about then they'll connect better to it. But if you hide it and you're not actually teaching them and they're just seeing one genre. So what what grade did you teach when you, when you were a teacher? I taught kindergarten, second grade, and third grade. Okay. And what about uh, culture books? Is it an age range for those kids? No, um, we have books for all ages. Um, that's one thing. We have actually, we read a, a lot on live Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Friends read on Fridays. So if you guys want to read, 
Go ahead. You okay. can. Uh, we can we'll join you. We'll join you. We're all for it. Um, Anything um, to help the kids out. Anything. Yeah. And then Mondays, so we have Positive Mondays and Wacky Wednesdays. So okay. on Mondays, we read something very positive or um, a book about a different culture or about, you know, racism or um, mm-hmm. Juneteenth or whatever it may be that we're reading about. And then on Wacky Wednesday, we read something that's really silly and funny and just relax the kids, you know? So, um, and, and we try to give away books each time. Like we have a ton of books that we want to give away right now. And all they have to do is watch to win and maybe comment that mm-hmm. they want the book or send me a video about something that they learned about the book. Mm-hmm. And the book is yours. And as as a nonprofit, um, is it hard to get, is it easy to get those resources? Is it kind of hard to get the resources that you need as far as like the books? How does, how does that work? Um, actually, there's one lady um, that donates $25 every month and that's at least one book depending on where you go mm-hmm. um so it's I'm very thankful for that that monthly donation it's constant but it's very difficult getting donations it's, there are a lot of people who want to give money but I can't find them right. <laughs> like where are they where do I go for this um so we I've been spending a lot of time researching and trying to find grants um, and sponsors for more books, uh, more funds to buy more books. And also we're hoping to one day have a brick and mortar, like a, a bookstore right. where mm-hmm. we can do storytelling activities. The kids can come and book a book for free. Like you can just take it off the shelf and it's yours. Um, we can also, you know, have it where they'd be selling those types of books, those culturally, um, those cultural literature and, um, rich literature that looks like them and looks like different cultures, all the, all things. Okay. Um, and sell those books in there for more donations to buy more books to st- give to kids. So lots of different activities that I right. want to do. So how do people donate? We'll, I'll let you answer that now and then we'll go back over it again um, at the end of the interview. How, how can people get involved and donate to, to help? Um, right now, one definite way is to do our cash app. It's culture books. Just that dollar sign in culture books, and you can go to donate that way. Um, we also have uh, PayPal, mm-hmm. and we're trying to get. There's one other one that people can donate on, and I can't remember what that one is. I never remember what no. it is. Um, yes. My board members are usually the ones that keep me up on all the techno <laughs> technological right. game. I feel like I'm an old lady when it comes to technology. <laughs> I really so do. much has changed, so I'm, I'm, I'm right there. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we're gonna take a picture. Just right. This button? This, are you yeah. sure? This button? <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that. I, uh, my, one of my friends, he was giving me a hard time last weekend. We had a wedding. You know, they, they all have Snapchat, and I'm like, I'm just gonna be put it on Snapchat. I'm like, I don't have Snapchat. Like, what? You don't have? It's like. I don't really now, have, I have time. Snapchat. You don't have an excuse. No, nah, I, I mean, I'm on Instagram. So I, yeah. I just use my Instagram stories. So I just post stuff on there instead mm-hmm. of just grabbing Snapchat. It's like, I don't know. For some reason, I'm like, I don't want to take the time to just mess with all these different yeah. apps. You know? I have Snapchat, but Snapchat is more of a personal. I don't feel like it's it. Like you can put business stuff on there. But I feel like for me, it's more of a personal. Yeah, thing. it's more for like entertainment. It's just it's like, like fun. Per- yeah, fun stuff. Exactly. Um, so what what do you see is like the biggest hurdle that our youth face today? Right now, it's shucks. I feel like I'm not doing enough. Mm. Um, and I don't know if it's just, you know, me being hard on myself. I've spent a lot of time just trying to research. 
And I guess it's one of those things where you're you want things to already be out there and mm-hmm. done where all the kids are benefiting from it. Right. So I want to make it where the kids can sign up with their address and we're sending it out, you know, like the Dolly Parton thing, mm-hmm. but for cultural literature and more um, rich literature mm-hmm. uh, from the ages of five and up. Like I want to give all ages a chance right. to experience that. And um, it's hard trying to find the money to get that and the sponsorship because once I can get the sponsorship and the funds for it, then I can get the brick and mortar. Once I get the brick and mortar, I can start filling it with books that kids can get every day. It's like just, you know, you get out of school, want to go somewhere and read or right. somewhere and do an activity or an arts and craft to keep you busy. Come and do your homework. We'll tutor you. We'll help you um, understand what you've been taught in school. Like mm-hmm. we'll do all of that. We also have activities to do storytelling and give away these books or um, a camp we want to be able to have the kids travel as well out of the country with us uh, maybe yearly and give a spot uh, a scholarship mm-hmm. so there are a lot of things that I want to do and I have like this whole plan but it's hard trying to find the funds for it to even start working on that right that that gets you saying sometimes about feeling like you're not doing enough. I I I feel that same way sometimes. Like even though we we when we do a lot of interviews and interview a lot of entrepreneurs and have them come on and we and we try to do things like a couple of years ago we did like a, a back to school giveaway. We gave away some shirts and um, book bags and gift cards. But then sometimes for some reason I always feel this guilt like when when something happens in the community where a kid gets in trouble or something. I'm like man. I wish I was doing something, doing more to, you know, get them an opportunity. Maybe they need to come follow, travel with us or something, watch us and set up our interviews and trying to get them another option instead of, you know, veering to the left and doing right. something. That so they, if there's something else that I could have done a little right. faster, that would have opened another door for him. Absolutely. So I, I understand what you're saying about, you know, feeling, feeling some of that guilt. Um, as far as like COVID, how, how has that impacted your business? Um, we were, we would have relied heavily on creating an opportunity for kids to have, um, a space to go and learn about different cultures. Our first ex, our first event was supposed to be, um, an event on the Chinese culture. And we were mm-hmm. going to bring dragon dancers and, um, the Chinese folk dancers. And we were also going to have like music and, um, authentic arts and crafts where they would learn calligraphy and get a book at the end. Like Mm -hmm. there was so many things that we were going to do to kind of connect and bridge that gap between the cultures. Mm -hmm. Um, So when COVID happened, it completely separated us from any type of the human world. It seemed like, Um, and we did a drive by event where the kids can come and drive by and it was for um, a musical type thing. We partnered with the symphony um, an orchestra down the road, actually. And um, we gave away a book called Melba and her trombone. And so the kids loved that. We had a little music, like trombone playing, and they could come and get like um, a paletta from the local juice. Um, and he does like all types of organic juicing and smoothies and all that stuff. And he gave out letters for free. They gave out the book. We gave out snacks and food and stuff. And it was just, it was great. But it's hard because, of course, there are different guidelines you have to do. So you can't have that many people there. We can't do any type of touching. And so 
with that, the dragon dancers, they, of course, they're under the dragon together. So it's everything just kind of got. So we're trying to right. figure out new ways, which is why we've been doing the virtual readings. All right. Are the kids still engaged with the virtual? Is it? Can you tell how how it is for them? For this, it's this is a different world now. It's, it is. It's, it's different. I can tell that we are being watched. I have not been able to give as many books away as I would like, mm-hmm. um, because a lot of times the kids are in school. Um, if they see it, it's probably super late, um, and I'm not getting the messages. They're not messaging. So it's not super active right now. And I wish and I hope to change that very soon that, you know, we can give out books more. I would rather not have enough books to give out for people constantly commenting than have too many. And right now I have too many. Absolutely. As far as the, the, um, did you come from a family of entrepreneurs that they kind of pushed you to this, into it or? No, um, I come from a family of hard workers mm-hmm. and honest people <laughs> and they're super kind and they love to help and um, they do what they can for others, but um, not of entrepreneurs, but they mm-hmm. do support me. If you look most days, they are the only about three people on the, on the video, the virtual reading mm-hmm. uh, my dad, he comes on Every single time I'm live, and he's like, "Hey, Wilma," I'm like, "Stop telling stop, stop people my <laughs> nickname. Stop it. <laughs> stop doing that." My mom, she's always supportive. Like, she's um, a rock. She's right. always like, "You can do this. You got it. I believe in you." My sister, she's always watching as well, and just behind me, one hundred percent. When she actually got me this shirt uh, like for it. Christmas, I boohooed. I didn't <laughs> know she was going to do that. And it was like last Christmas when we first like opened up and she got her friend to make me this shirt and it has my name on it says I'm the owner. I was like, (laughs) I was like, I completely broke down in the car, like two seconds flat, I was done. And um, so it's just, I have a family, they support me more and that is the best feeling ever. So, and then I have a, I have entrepreneur friends. Mm-hmm. So, and they pushed me as well. My best friend, Satoya, she, my gosh, she's a part of the board and she's always, she's the one that's the researcher. She has the mind to figure out the big picture and to say, I think you should do this or mm-hmm. here's how it should go. Um, all of my board members, they, they just, we just mesh well. And then I have a friend, his name is Chris and he actually is an entrepreneur. He sells beard oils, Holy Man Essentials, and he's, like I, I sometimes you I might have to find him and get my yeah. Well, I, have to find him I can beard. give you his info okay. so you okay. can yeah get that beard going. Oh you know? yeah, it's sparkle. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, the way his mind works, oh my gosh, I sometimes it amazes me, but it helps me and it pushes me. He pushes me constantly. It's like you can do this. It's like you got this. You're amazing. You're beautiful. You're awesome. And so, um, mm-hmm. he pushes me to move forward a lot too. So I have a lot of entrepreneurial friends. And a very supportive family mm-hmm. that keeps me going. What would you say is the hardest part of, of entrepreneurship for you? Entrepreneurship, that's just it. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually believing in yourself enough and believing in the idea that you have enough that you actually step out and go do it. Mm-hmm. Even in the bad times, like those days where you're not getting anyone to come 
to any of your events or you're struggling to try to find the strength, like just that in general is hard. Mm -hmm. Like continuing to believe that this is something that's good and something that's worth doing in spite of the fact that you're getting no one to notice you. Right. But always, I, and I know that there are always people watching. Mm-hmm. Everybody's watching you. Like, I had no clue that you were even, you even right. looked to see what was going on with our um, nonprofit. So when you emailed me, I was like, how do you know about me? Right. <laughs> so um, that was a very shocking thing for me. It's, it's very new. I, it's, I, it's still mind blowing. I'm, I'm right there with you. It's, it's tough. Entrepreneurship. Uh, we said it uh, yesterday with Miss Sharon Green from PCS Cleaning when we talked to her. It's like, to me, entrepreneurship is harder than than working a nine to five because there's no 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 blueprint, no guidelines mm-hmm. to it. It's just like you you have to do all the groundwork and everything. Nobody's it's telling you, you. Yep, no lunch break, no getting up, going to work. What time you get off? It's like you doing you're doing everything on your own. And I still had those days. So I'm like, man, this is, it's hard. It's like, man, how are we gonna do this? And Sometimes. And it's not like you get paid even if you mess up and you just go back and start over. Like yep. you, like everything that goes forward depends on you. And that's, I think, the scariest part for me because mm-hmm. it's either going to grow and sell forward or it's going to just stop. And right. it's all because of how I move and how mm-hmm. I make it happen. And the faith I have in myself, the faith I have in God, the faith I have in what I'm doing mm-hmm. to like propel me forward. And we we put together this tour, the self-investment tour. It was just a conversation we had, and I was like, man, I don't know. Sometimes I would get in my head because I was like, man, you know what? These people are too far away. Let's just focus on the people that's like close to us in our community. I'm like, no, I'm, like, I'm thinking too small. We need to take this on the road even more and continue to grow. And I was like, you know what? We're going to do this tour. Let's let's go ahead and go all in and, yeah. and lock in and do it. And the man, the, the time and the research and the reading the preparation... Um, people don't see that type of stuff that goes on. The only thing they see is like what's going on with the cameras and like what you're actually doing, what you put out there. But the stuff that's behind the scenes, that's what makes it uh, more meaningful. And like you said, when people you don't know watch, well, I know, I know my friends. They support me as well. But I'm not gonna tell one of my friends uh, his business that he has going on. I'll let him announce. But I remember he sent me a picture of what he was doing, and and it meant a lot to me uh, last week when he sent it to me. He was just saying, you know. And he said, man, I've been watching you grind, man. You inspired me to, to do the same thing. So when he told me that, that meant a lot to me to know, like, somebody else was watching me. Yes. From this, Which I always knew he would, he would watch the interviews. But, like, when he sent me that picture about how he was getting ready to start his own business, like, that meant a lot to me personally. Because, like, man, it's, some days I have days on I get down, like, man, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. And then seeing stuff like that lets you know, like, I just pay attention to those signs and let you know, just keep going. Keep pushing forward. Yes, you're always being watched. And that, that's the biggest thing. Like, I have all types of entrepreneur friends around me, from mm-hmm. dancers and choreography and from singers to people who are selling products for people who, like, sell products for locks. All, all types of different friends all around me. And we all inspire each other. And then there are, of course, other people who are watching us. Mm-hmm. So it's... I can't go. I can't go anywhere. Like right. I got to keep moving. Uh, there are kids who are going to rely on this program and this um, nonprofit or any of the things that we're doing to help them prepare for it. Mm-hmm. So, got to keep going. Talk about how important that is. You know, to surround mm-hmm. yourself with the right people. Um, like you say, you 
you're around a lot of entrepreneurs, so it gets your mind going. And, and of course, everybody doesn't have to go the entrepreneurial route, but how important is it to have those people that are around you that are doing the right thing in life, or, or whether it's entrepreneurship or working a nine to five, but making sure they're focused on their goals and, and doing the right type of things? How important is that? Oh, your support circle is extremely important. Without that support circle, you it's like you have a circle of people around you to hold you up, especially when you don't feel strong. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's missing and you fall back, you just gonna hit the pavement. Mm -hmm. There's you're not gonna know where to go, you're not gonna know what to do. But if you surround yourself with people who are like-minded or people who are um you know, moving forward, just supporting you like family, friends, um, even other entrepreneurs. If you surround your people, if you fall back, there's always going to be somebody back there to catch you and put you back up Absolutely. and encourage you. So it's um, it's extremely important to, to be able to have that foundation, that support system that keeps you going. Absolutely. As we progress and get ready to start winding down, um, I want to take another time to say this episode is also sponsored by Faces by Cynthia on 127 East Main Street in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and also Charlene's Home Cooking on 1136 East Blackstock Road in Moore, South Carolina. Charlene's Home Cooking is a family restaurant that cooks like grandma with fresh veggies and meats cooked to order. You can do a meat with two sides, a meat with three sides, or a veggie plate along with sweet tea, Kool-Aid, and lemonade. Cakes, pies, and cobbler are also available for dessert. She wants you to feel at home anytime you visit, so make sure you stop by Monday, Thursday, and Sunday from 11 to 6, Friday and Sunday from 11 to 7. Everything is fresh and from the heart, and she would love for you to visit. So thank you, Faces by Cynthia, and thank you, Charlene's Home Cooking, for sponsoring this episode also. So if you're ever in South Carolina, if you make your way through there for some reason, make sure you stop by there. They'll definitely take care Charlene's of you. Charlene's Home Cooking. Absolutely. Some of the best food you'll, you'll taste. Um, so back to the back to um, what we're talking about with culture books. What, what, what else do the kids get, or how do the kids join? The, uh, um, on Facebook, we um, have a page. It's called Culture Books Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. And the kids and families can come over there and watch any of the videos. The videos are always recorded. They can watch them. If they want that book, you can just comment there or either message me personally and tell me you want the book. It's free. Like, all you have to do is watch to win and comment. Like, it's free. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, and you can have books for free. Like so many, I have so many books to give away and I am so ready to give them away. Please come and visit us. Um, we also have an Instagram culture underscore books underscore literacy. And, um, you can go on there as well and comment and find me and tell me you want books. I will give you books right. for free. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> How do you, uh, like, just that bit of information you gave me earlier about, you know, trying to make things fun and engaging for kids. Like my, my, my daughter, she's more locked in on school. My son, I mean, they both do their schoolwork. But, you know, my son, he, he'll, his mind will drift quicker. But, um, like, you just gave me, like, the, the thing about the balloons, like the spelling with the balloons. What, what kind of things you would, would you advise parents to do to kind of, like, keep their kids more engaged and make it fun for them to learn with them? Um, do things that make it do like games. Like for mm -hmm. my niece, um, actually have to create a literacy, a science curriculum for them right now. She's like, I need you to do this. 
write a lesson for the human body. And I was like, you know, you can go. She's like, I'm going to wait for you to do it. Just do it. <laughs> like, okay. But um, make it fun. Just mm -hmm. play games. Like for like Twister, you can have the colors and have the kid put their body part on that color and they have to say that word or that mm -hmm. letter. Or, and so you can like make that as a game. It's like games out there. It's like, what's that? 15 bucks. Mm -hmm. Just go out and get that game. Put the word on there. Um and make it fun for them. Go outside and do something that helps them, the blood flow through their bodies. Um, whether it's, if he likes football and you have those like circles, have him throw it and it'll have a word on it. He has to say that word. Like it's just, it depends right. on what you want to do or either depending on that question. Like if you're talking about a book, um, maybe the football will go through a question like say what was the character who was the character mm -hmm. and he has to answer those questions about it right. so just it's and it's one he's getting exercise two he's exercising his brain as well and he doesn't know he's learning absolutely as far as being an entrepreneur what do you how do you feel about entrepreneurship being taught in school yes <laughs> that's, that's just it yes um Kids need to know that there's more out there than just being a doctor or being a football player or being right. um, a nurse. or And, of course, we need those things or a teacher or anything mm -hmm. like that. You don't have to do that, though. Maybe you have an idea, an innovative idea that can change people's whole way of thinking about different things. Right. Teach them that that is okay. It's okay to be creative. Don't stifle that creativity. Like, I know Mm -hmm. Let them go with it. Let them do it. And I believe it helps with like problem solving. A great way to problem solve when things don't go right. Okay, what do you do next? It's yes. Those critical ways of thinking in, yes. in certain situations. And that's uh, where we kind of lack a lot is, you know, they're not learning to read. They don't have that foundation. So it's hard for them to start thinking about ways that they can get out of a certain situation or mm -hmm. critically think or solve a problem or anything like that. Because then they just get mad and they just want to walk away from it. Exactly. So like teaching them those skills and how to problem solve instead of like yelling or walking away from it will help them move forward rather than, you know, take 12 steps back and then wish they had kept going later. Absolutely. Just a few more questions and we'll get ready to wrap it up. What's the biggest lesson that you learned from, from this COVID, from the pandemic? You have to have a plan B, C, D, all the way to Z. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> I'm probably on plan L right now. <laughs> Trying to figure it out. Um, you always have to have a backup plan. Make sure that you're connected in every way to mm -hmm. um, make sure nothing falls. So even when you have one of those moments where it's just like, everything has fallen down. You actually have another hill that you were already building on the other side and you can come up with that. So um, always make sure you have more than just one plan of how to get to it. Like they used to say, what was it? There's more than one way to skin a cat. Mm -hmm. You know what? As a kid, I always tried to figure out the ways to skin a cat. Like <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, so then we could do this. But there is, there is more right. than one way to get to the goal that you want to get to, like mm -hmm. your ultimate goal. You need to actually exhaust every single way. Like mm -hmm. if you start off on plan A and then that don't work out, okay, well, we, let's kind of curve it a little mm -hmm. bit, but we're still getting there. That just reminds I'm just plugging in another book that I read um, earlier this year. It's a book by Marie Forleo. It's called Everything is Figure Outable. And it's just saying, you know, there's so many different ways that you can figure out things like in 
and go after your dreams. Well, you, you some well, for instance, like people will say, well, I don't have enough time to do this. Mm-hmm. It's different ways you can do it. Get off work and take a little bit of time to reach that goal, whether it's setting aside an hour a day to get to where you want to go. But it's to just give you ideas of so many different ways you can get from point A to B or wherever you were trying to go. So that was it. Just I need to read that book. It's a great read. Great read. I, because I watch a lot of interviews, and I just happened to see one that she was on one of the guys that I follow on Instagram, and it just gravi- I gravitated towards that book. So I, I went ahead, and what I'll do is I'll read an ebook, and if I like the little sample that they give me, then I'll go buy it. Because I, I try to try my best to get like a physical copy of a yes. book. So I did it that way. But it was it was definitely a great read, definitely a great read. But um, before we, before we get ready to wrap it up, this is the Cross the Line Podcast Self Investment Tour. What does self-investment mean to you um believing in yourself Mm. um having faith that the thing that you want to do is so important and so innovative that you believe in it that much that you're going to invest in who you are and who you want to become at a later date um and that's so important just like they say you know self-care is important self-investment is important too for your mental, because if you don't believe in you, who, how are you going to get others to believe in you? Absolutely. So it's it all starts with you. It all starts with yourself. Starting right where you are. And you don't have to be like super far along. It doesn't, you don't have to just jump right there. But starting right where you are and moving forward. Absolutely. Progress is progress. Absolutely. Just start. You know, the longer you sit around and think about an idea, but you don't put in the, put in the plan then the longer it's going to take. So definitely get started. Well, Ms. Erica, I want to thank you for your time. Before we get out of here, can you also tell people where to find you once again? Yes. Um, on Facebook, Culture Books Chattanooga is where you find us on um, Instagram, culture underscore books underscore literacy. Um, all of our information, including our email, is on there. Um, please. Listen to the videos. We want to give away books. We want to connect those cultures. We want to do more for our kids. So um, you are very important to our growth. Absolutely. So I want to thank you again. And before we get out of here, um, if you want us to read, I'm, I'm more than happy. I'll definitely read. And, and after we finish this interview, I want to leave a donation personally because I want to help oh, you guys out. So I'll definitely you. leave a donation. Thank you so much. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Until next time, keep chasing your dreams. It's the Cross Line Podcast, self-investment tour. Thank you for listening.